MLM Nation, episode 188. Focus on turning strangers to friends and friends to family. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chess. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. Do you want more duplication in your business? As an MLM Nation Insider member, you can, you can get my course, Three Elements of Fast-Growing Organizations, and all my other Implementation Guide courses for free. Normally, these courses sell for $47 on our website, but all ML Nation Insider members have free access anytime. You definitely want to be an Insider member. And now there's a special offer. You can get a dollar trial for the next seven days. Go take a dollar trial and check it out at MLMNationInsider.com. That is MLMNationInsider.com. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I am fired up to bring our special guest from the UK today, Fraser Brooks. Frazier, are you ready to make it happen? Absolutely, Simon. ML Nation, for those of you who hate school, there is hope. Frazier Brooks got kicked out of high school after his first year because he was too busy having fun and had only an 8% attendance rate. Yes, that's single digits, 8% attendance rate. After he got expelled, the way Frazier said it, he was in panic mode. And he panicked, found another high school. So basically, that's any school that would just accept him. And he ended up going there and studying construction management. Frazier eventually ended up going to university. And then, check this out, six days before his final exam, guess what? His father, none other than the MLM legend, Simon Brooks, decided to, to distract him, introduce him to an MLM business. Frazier was super skeptical and thought he was way too young. But he decided to join anyway just to make a few bucks and really just to make his dad happy. Since that big decision, Frazier's graduated and become a full-time networker. He's made a multiple six-figure income and traveled to over 20 countries to build his global empire. So, Frazier, I've given MLM just a brief intro, but I'm going to throw this question out at you that I've never asked anyone before. What was going on in your dad's mind when he decided to tell you about his MLM business right before your exam? Was he hoping that you would fail so you actually become a networker for life? What was, his, what was going on in his mind? Yeah, well, he, he's wanted to he's wanted to get me involved in network marketing ever since I turned eighteen. So I had I had two people really. I had my father who was like every single week, "Come on, Fraser, you need to get on board. You need to get on board. You need to get on board." And I had the other side, my mother saying, "No, exams first. Exams first. You can look at network marketing if you fail your exams. If you don't, you know, get through." So that's kind of how it was. My dad's very, you know, in my face all the time. Always telling me about the benefits of the product, about the business, about the lifestyle, and all of that as well. So, yeah, that was exciting. It was. Uh, I'm, I'm happy I said yes. Put it that way. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, Frazier's dad is Simon Brooks. He was featured on uh, MLM Nation 174. I think he's made over like uh, over 10 easily over 10 million US in his career in network marketing. So, let me ask you this: Growing up as a father, successful MLM, did you grow up wanting to? I don't want to say this follow his shadows, but follow his footsteps being that we're marketing. Or did you envision yourself doing something totally different? Because a lot of kids, like, you know, they want to rebellious. You, you want to, they want to do something different. But how, how did you, what was it like growing, growing up? Well, it was interesting. And I actually think I'm probably amongst an elite group of people who are a second generation of network marketers. I've actually lived my entire life 
in a network marketing environment, a full-time network marketing environment, so much so that my first my first ever event was on the 26th of October, 1987. Now, I was born on March 28th, 1988. So I was actually went to my first event, live event, when I was actually in my mother's stomach. So I obviously picked up the passion there. However, I never wanted to become a network marketer. Why? First of all, when I was in school, when I was six years old, eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, 16 years old, 18 years old, my mum and dad used to come up to the school in a brand new BMW 3 Series convertible, which at the time was one of the best cars you could get. Obviously, we've come a long way since then. And dropped drop me off and everyone used to go, Fraser, what's your mum and dad do? And I, I actually didn't know the answer. <laughs> I didn't know the answer. And I, all I used to say was they, they help people make money. That's all I know. And, and what happened was I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm such a huge introvert. It might not come across on, on this recording, but I'm a massive, massive introvert, very low self-esteem. So the reason why I said no to network marketing all the time was I didn't want to speak in front of people. I saw I used to go to these events with my dad and I never I used to be a kid who used to do a knee slide across the floor when they're doing these events and, you know, cause trouble and throw oranges and apples when people are talking. I was I was a fool looking back at it, but I was only about eight years old. And I always said no because I saw my dad speaking and he would absolutely crush it. And I never realized how much of a rock star he was until obviously I got involved myself. And I always said no, I said I don't want to be holding a pen drawing circles because I just I'm too nervous I just shake and if that's what I have to do to be successful that's what I don't want to do so growing up back to your question growing up was interesting he was always at home he was always on the phone and I learned so much of how to communicate with other people just how he communicates with other people and I loved seeing him do his one-on-ones his two-on-ones his group meetings I loved how he told me off when I made too much noise you know, running past his office. I loved the fact that when birthdays and Christmas came on, it was always way over the top. I remember one day, and I feel, I feel I'm so grateful and blessed to be in the position I'm in. I remember waking up on one Christmas day, and he, he, there was a massive pile, pile of presents there, and I, I, was, I just remember opening them faster than I could ever even, you know, look at what I was getting. And he said, you know what? What we need to do now, we need to put all the paper in the bin bags, and what we need to do, we need to take those bin bags round to where we, where we have, where we put our, 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 our trash, and we went in, it was in Bath Baster Garage, and we went into the garage. It's a big three-phase three, um, three, like, garage. And what happened is we opened the garage door, and there was a table, tennis table. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, Santa's brought a tennis table. This is table, tennis table. This is unbelievable. And he said, okay, just go around the corner. And there was a pinball machine. And we're thinking, oh, my God, what's happened? This is the best day ever. And then we went upstairs because above the garage was a, was like a room and there was a scale electric set all around the uh, all around the room and in the middle of the room was a brand shiny new pool table. And at the time that was probably going back to maybe 18 years ago. That was just the best day of my life. And I asked my dad when I was growing up, when I got a little bit older, dad, how did you able to afford that? And he said, network marketing gave you everything that you've imagined your, your, your trips away to places like Whistler in Vancouver to the Maldives, all these amazing places, gave you education, it gave the cars, you obviously your mum and dad drove. Uh, but as I've got older, he's turned that lifestyle from giving me everything I've wanted, I'm so grateful for, to listen, you need to now make your own path in network marketing, I think it's the best choice for you. So growing up with my dad has just been unbelievable, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's very, very inspiring. Um, you know, you said that your first meeting was when you were in the mom's womb, right? Your first meeting you ever yeah. went in 1987. So you basically, 
Uh, and this is so interesting because most people think, oh, network marketing doesn't work. Probably for you, you when, how old were you when you first realized that network marketing, most people are not successful in network marketing? Because you probably only saw success, probably is the, you know, the easiest thing, or not the easiest thing, but it's, mm-hmm. you're expected to be successful because that's what you're surrounded with. So when, how old were you when you kind of realized, hey, actually not many people are that successful in this, and my dad's a rock star. Well, the people that I always used to see my dad with was obviously his kind of his close, his close inner circle. And they were all successful because obviously he'd influenced them and put a massive, uh, you know, he's helped them hugely. And they were all, they were all high income earners as well. So I only really surrounded myself with, as a young, as obviously a youngster, with his successful inner circle. So I never really saw the kind of the failure rate in the people that kind of didn't, you know, didn't, didn't make it. And that was from literally age maybe age eight till age maybe 18, 20 odd, maybe about 10 plus years. And I, I grew an amazing relationship. They've basically been kind of like second fathers, second mothers, godfathers, godparents and all that. Um, you know, so I've, I've only kind of really accepted the successful people that's kind of in network marketing. Obviously, going on my own as well, I've, I've, learned, I've learned it's otherwise. But it's my dad's nature is always be positive and always surround yourself with massive success. So we kind of didn't have any negativity on our household, whether that's people walking in the front door or even our family behavior. Yeah. So, so you said it was about 18, 20 when you real, finally real, realized that not everyone's successful in network marketing? I was probably old. It was probably a year before I even joined. Probably when I was about 23 is when I realized, actually, this is not just you know, a win-win situation in terms of am I going to succeed or not. Yeah. How old were you when you joined? I was 24. 24. Well, so... Uh, why did you finally join? Was you said you didn't want to do networking? You're shy, tr- quiet, introverted, low self-esteem. You know. So why did you join? Well, I had three phobias, and I went on a bit of a mission um, to conquer the phobias. When I hit seventeen, I have three phobias, and they're probably really weird, and people will might laugh at them, but they're my phobias. Everyone's different. So the first one was roller coasters. I absolutely, I'm just, you know, terrified of roller coasters. The second one was public speaking. And the third one was making phone calls. I still have a little bit of it today, but I actually don't like picking up the phone and calling someone. I don't mind if the phone rings, I'll answer it. But if I have to make a phone call, something happens and I just shut down. So on my 18th birthday, I went to Alton, Alton Towers, which is a theme park here in England. Uh, and I rode on the most, you know, the most ridiculous roller coaster I, I saw there. I hated it, but I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and finally conquered my fear. So I've now been to America on all the roller coasters over there. So <laughs> That's I, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not, I don't have a phobia of roller coasters anymore. The second one was actually making phone calls. So after that, literally a week after I come back from Alton Towers, I actually got a job, um, which was quite lucky. I got a job as an estate agent here in the UK. So I was 18, so I was quite young to be in that game. But my job was basically to phone cold call people cold call vendors that were on the market with other other estate agents and see if they'd be interested in lower rates sell the house so i had to physically make phone calls and i did that for four years while i was going through college and university and i absolutely hated it but eventually i got over that phobia and then the last thing was public speaking and i put it off and put it off and put it off and the reason why, I don't know what it was in my body, but I just couldn't get the words out. So much so that in the UK, we have we have to do English literature and English language as part of our O-levels, as part of our GCSEs exams. And as part of that, you have to do an oral exam, which means you basically have to speak about something you're passionate about. And I had a massive passion for golf at the time. 
And I, I knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't do it so much so that I put it off and put it off and put it off. And one day my teacher came to me, he was six, I was 16, and he said, Fraser, if you do not do this oral exam today in front of your classmates, then we're going to have to fail you for English. And being an English person, failing English is <laughs> embarrassing. You can imagine, right? It's so, so embarrassing. So I decided, I said to him, I said, listen, can I do it in front of you? And he said, yes, one-on-one, did it in front of him, did it, passed it, thankfully passed, <laughs> you know, passed the English exam. Um, so I think when my dad told me about network marketing, I thought, you know what, this is the chance for me to actually get over the fear properly of public speaking. And in fact, it was such an embarrassing, I don't really tell many people this, but my first speech on stage, I actually burst into tears. Hmm. Um, it, was, it, was, it was the moment I think I conquered, conquered my phobia. Um, and it was realized and it all just came, came to me real fast. I was 24. Uh, some, of my, some of my friends were in the audience and they were laughing their heads off, but I was just overwhelmed with emotion. And it was a, that was the day I conquered all, all three of my phobias. And I'm thankful to not have any more phobias now. So, <laughs> so yeah, I succeeded with that. What gave you the desire, the mindset to fight those phobias? Because I think that's, a, you know, success is about the inner game, right? The, the mindset. So even though you had those phobias, you had like a winning mindset to like fight them because a lot of people just say hey, I, I i'm scared of roller coasters why should mm-hmm. i like you know freak myself out maybe even give a heart attack doing doing something like that but you kept on going over what where did you get the desire from that just to like i have a phobia but i'm going to do something about it instead of like settling hey that's the way i am well yeah it was it was the fear it was actually another kind of phobia that kind of created all it and the fear it was the fear of missing out i saw all these people having a great time or what appeared like a great time uh, on a roller coaster, I saw people, you know, making loads of money in the real estate by making cold calls. I saw, obviously, my dad public speaking. I thought, you know what, I've got to get over these phobias if I want to have a better life and and be able to make more money. So I just, it was really a, a fear of kind of missing out. So I just, I just forced myself to just get over it. Mm, I think that's a huge aha moment, Emma Nation. I'm going to uh, talk about this at the recap and review. It's like Fraser really put it. I love the way you put it because like, you have these fears, but the biggest fear is you're going to miss out on life. Exactly. By settling, accepting the fears. And I think, you know, missing out on life, doing, you know, not having the fun, not being able to enjoy this, not, you know, being able to experience the opportunities because of these small little things, basically fears. I mean, anyone can overcome them. Uh, is, and, and that's actually brilliant. Like the fear of missing out on life motivated you to fight those fears. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's, I find it fascinating. So how do you get a hunger? Like you know, a lot of people like who grew up in wealthy families, right? Like mm-hmm. they like you know you have a pool table, ping, you know, ping pong table, all that stuff in your house. Um, how do you have the hunger to excel? Where did you get that hunger desire from? Well, it was actually when I hit 18. Um, I as soon as I hit 18, I li- li- people people look at me and there's I've got a people don't understand I've got a huge pressure to succeed. I was a massive introvert, low self-esteem, but I also had the pressure to succeed. Both my parents were successful, and I was obviously my dad's eldest son, so I kind of had to succeed. So 18 came. I remember my dad got me a a black Mini Cooper, and I was so – I was absolutely over the moon, you know. It's not a bad gift for an 18-year-old. Oh, it was – honestly, it was was incredible. It was was the best gift I've ever had. Um, And my dad – remember, dad gave me the keys and said, this is the last thing you'll receive from me in terms of monetary value. And I remember looking at him thinking, thinking, that's the best thing you've ever done, Dad. Thank you so, so much. And uh, he gave me the keys. I remember it was awesome. Drove off. It was, it was class. And from that moment onwards, I thought, I have to design my own path. 
I'm going to have the guidance and the support of my mother and father, but I have to design a life for myself. And I want my own money. I don't want to have to go to dad and say, oh, dad, uh, I really like this, but I haven't got the money. Can you give me the money? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and him basically saying, no, I wanted to get my own money. So I kind of created my own desire, especially being behind the, the, the wheel of the Mini, thinking I want to be behind the wheel of a BMW or a Ferrari or Lamborghini. And my, my dad's not going to be able to do that for me. I'm going to have to do it for myself. Um, and there's nothing more embarrassing than basically having to ask your mum and dad for money. Um, you know, I, I think being able to fend for yourself is one of the most attractive things you can do. So I still live at home. But the reason for that is because I want more mentorship from my father day in, day out. Um, you know, and I also, I also help him. He, he's, uh, he's actually been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He didn't mention that on his podcast. So I help him out with lots of different things around the house as well. So, yeah, he's awesome. So when you got started, um, this is 24, you joined MLM. Mm-hmm. How did you overcome your introvertness and low self-esteem? How did you do that? Because I mean, a lot of MLM Nation listeners, because that's something that was something that affected me. But I want to hear from you. How did you overcome that to become where you are today? Well, yeah, so my, I always got taught well, there was two routes to go. There was lead with the product or lead with the business. And it's literally day one. I, I, remember, I remember actually phoning four of my friends who lived in my village and said, guys, you've got to come around to the house. I want to talk to you about this, this incredible opportunity. And I got them around to the house. Uh, and I remember doing probably the world's worst presentation it, 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 there couldn't be a worse presentation, right? It was just awful. And I remember all four of the guys joined. I remember asking them, why did you join? And they said, you. And that was when I realized this isn't about, this isn't about opportunity marketing, product marketing. This is about relationship marketing. So I decided from that point onwards, I'm going to lead with the relationship. I'm a, I was a massive introvert, but I can build a relationship with anyone, whether it's basically texting them or sending them a voice message or, or a voicemail or anything like that. So I actually built predominantly all of my network marketing business from using SMS, uh, WhatsApp, or Facebook Messenger, or Skype. In fact, one of the probably one of the best things that's happened to me in my network marketing business so far is I actually cold found someone using Skype. There used to be a little lead generation system within Skype where you could search for people um, with a keyword and location. So I literally searched MLM Liverpool. And two Russian people came up, and I thought, oh, they're Russian. They're not going to understand English. So I actually communicated with them and saying, hey, guys, how's it going individually? Hey, guys, how's it going? My name's Fraser. What's your name? Sort of thing, which is the most stupid message to put out on Skype because it already tells you their name. But it's what I was doing. I was naive. I was young. I was testing what I was doing. Anyway, one guy came back to me, and uh, we were back and forth. Anyway, I ended up inviting him around to my house. And again, massive introvert. And you've got to think what's going through my head. I've got, a, I've got a Russian guy who looks a little bit like Steven Seagal coming to my house. I'm 24. I'm wearing flip-flops, board shorts, and a vest. He bounces up to the house, walks up, up, up the driveway, and he has the, rock, the Russian kind of walk, the big solid walk. And he's a big guy. And he comes up and he goes, hello, Fraser. My name's Sergei in a Russian accent. I'm not going to do the Russian accent today. <laughs> And we built the friendship, the relationship. We've basically become brothers. And he alone is responsible for about 10,000, maybe 11,000 people within my organization right now. Uh, we've become best friends. And it was that point onwards I realized my best friends in the business have become my best distributors. And it's not just frontline to me. It's within my organization. 
my best distributors, best distributors are also best friends of best friends. And it doesn't start out as best friends. It was the relationship we procured over time. And how I struggled, how, how that I overcame that with my, my introvert, my, being a massive introvert, was just basically focusing on just making friends with people and, and just trying to just be real and don't be a salesman because I couldn't sell anything. I didn't, I didn't sell one house in four years as an estate agent. It was it was ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I just I just kind of just thought you know relationship, 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 and I do that every single day on Facebook now with different people around the world. So yeah, it's, it, building the relationship is definitely the way I, I got over my you know my introversy. So that's fascinating. So you just message people whether it's WhatsApp, Facebook, Skype, and then you build a relationship, and eventually that leads to a phone call, and then 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 they meet you. Is that is that the prospecting process? Well, yeah, I would say eighty percent of the people I've signed up, I've never actually spoken to verbally. But once they've joined, I've then contacted them, reached out to them verbally, and then said, "Hey, this is me. Just to put a, you know a voice to the name. Um, you know, nice to meet you. Let's catch up." And so I actually didn't meet many people one on one until I actually sponsored them into the business. Wow. So you so you just send them online video links uh, to the to your company. Is that what you do? How do they know about the business or the products? I don't do that probably for three to six months of building a relationship first. I keep the business. I keep the business totally out with that entire. Um, entire process. Got it. That is ML mission. That's so key. I think that's what most of you are doing wrong. You you, you find someone on whatever Facebook, and you, you know, and people ask me this question: uh, Is this a good opening script to do? And then after the second interchange of messaging, oh, is this the best thing? You know, should I invite them directly to the business? I'm like, no. You know, <laughs> you have to build a relationship. I think that's so good. ML mission. I don't know if you're listening to that. Three to six months of relationship building. Mm-hmm. Before Fridge even brings up the business, and that's why they, I mean, when you first said that you don't need to talk to them, they'll sign up. I was like, oh, I mean, that that really happens. Yeah, it does happen. If you just, it's not like you send a link a stranger, hey, sign up, watch this video, and sign up. They don't do that. <laughs> Fridge actually spends spends a lot of time investing in the relationship, building, you know, texting, building a relationship online. And once that relationship is built, like Fridge was talking about, the relationship part of it, you know, relationship. But once that's built, then everything else comes easy because you're really marking yourself. People are buying you. Mm-hmm. Really good. Um, wow, uh, I'm just looking through my notes here. Um, you know what? Another thing. I, was your mom introverted and quiet? Yeah, she she to this day will not go on stage and speak. Um, but she is an absolute legend in terms of the support for us. Um, you know, she, she's just absolutely incredible. She, she reasons with everyone. She hears everyone's piece of, uh, different p- angles from situations. She calms us down when things get heated. Obviously me and my dad working together as a, as a, as I'm 28 now as 28 year old, listening to my dad from instructions and guidance. It's not always that easy. Um, so she comes in obviously and kind of three way calls into the situation, so to speak. Um, and, and guides us and she, she, she's just amazing. She supports us so much. In fact, so much so that when we do events and we have to have tickets on the door, she will actually be on the door taking tickets, booking people in, welcoming them to the event. She loves network marketing and she thinks it's an amazing career path and she just supports us 100%. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here without her, to be, to be honest with you. Yeah, I love your story and I think it's a big lesson. Like Sometimes people feel like, oh, you know um, – this guy's successful because he's a great speaker. He's got, and you know, Frigi, his dad is like a MLM legend. And, but obviously, you know, Frigi is quite introverted. You know, it's not genetics, it is through hard work, desire, the mindset, 
I mean, some major lessons here, the mindset, the fear of missing out, the desire to do something, prove that, you you know, because like Frazier didn't want to live off his dad, want to prove that he could do something, you know, and that, so related to that, right, what was your worst moment in network marketing that, that maybe you wanted to quit, maybe you even regret your decision? What was your worst moment, but because you have that mindset, you kept on going and then you learned some valuable lessons? Well, my that there's two really bad moments that stand out to me, and they were they're probably not that bad saying it, but they actually became my best moments. Um, and without a doubt, the, the worst one was when I had to speak on stage in front of 1,100 people. I think it was it's one of the biggest conventions we'd had at the time, and I got asked to do a speech, and I said Dad, I can't speak in front of 100 people, let alone 1,100 people. Um, and, and I and I did it, and it was it was probably the worst thing I, I could ever imagine. Um, but I learned a lot from it. The second thing was actually a, a majority, 95% of my organization is actually outside of the UK in countries that actually don't speak English. Um, one, one, one of the places I had to go to was a place called Ulan Uday, which is in the eastern part of Russia on Lake Baikal, not far from Mongolia. And I traveled over there and it was the first time I went to Russia and it was minus 25 degrees. And we went to, we went to like, uh, this, the Lake Baikal on the Lake Baikal, was minus 40 degrees and I, I flew over there and I hadn't slept for 40 hours um, and I ate some dodgy food <laughs> and I had to go to the toilet. Uh, I hope I'm all okay to say this on the podcast, but I had to go to the toilet and, and, and I asked for directions and they just said some Russian thing, but pointed. So I followed, I followed this path and I kept going and kept going. It was snowing everywhere. It was freezing cold. And I hear this kind of like buzzing noise. like zzz. So I keep following the buzzing and getting closer and closer. And I opened this shed. And this, I open this shed door and I'm dying to go to the toilet. And all there is is there, there's a, a, like a hole in the floor and all the flies are coming up from the, the hole in the floor. And I had to go to the toilet in this hole. And from that, <laughs> moment, yeah, from that moment onwards, I realized I am one of the luckiest people on the planet to live where I live, how I live. And I'm going to make it a goal of mine to be able to give as many people as I can all over the world the opportunity to live to live at least a handful of days like I do each and every day. Um, and that was an awful moment for me, but it was t- turned out to be an absolute life-changing moment. Yeah, wow. It's like uh, when you when you go to places like that, you realize how grateful, you, you know, how, how lucky you are. It makes you really see things totally differently. Yeah. You know, I, you know those little holes? It reminds me, um, since you, you brought up that toilet and the flies buzzing. When I was a kid, I was just sharing this with the other day. When I was a kid, my parents took me to... Uh, Taiwan, and they just dropped me off there for three. I don't know, I, you know, I think it's probably three, four weeks, but it seemed like a, three years. I was like six <laughs> years old to learn Chinese, and my parents flew back. I was with my grandparents, and I remember it was terrible. Then we went, then it was, it was so hot, and then we went to see my great grandmother in Hong Kong, and I saw pictures of, and I used to be complaining about New York, it's hot, you know, complaining. So I went to Hong Kong, I'm excited because in Hong Kong you see pictures, skyscrapers, I was like, finally, air conditioning, a nice bathroom. And I go to my great grandmother's house and I had to go to the bathroom. They said, go to the back. I went to the back because a little shed with a little hole in the ground. And I was like, what? And I was like six years old. And then when I went back to the U.S., I never complained. I was like, oh, the U.S. rocks. I never, you know, all the stuff I said, my house is not good, my you know, school is not good. I never complained again. I really put things in reality. So thank you for sharing that. Now we're sharing like toilet, tr- toilet stories here. <laughs> hey, um, what was your aha moment? You know, your aha moment that really helped your business take off. Yeah, it, it was when I actually realized that people in my downline were becoming more successful and more importantly, 
more excited than I was. And I thought, you know what, this is, this is where I'm leveraging. This is when the leverage is really happening now. Because if I go to decide to go travel with my girlfriend or if I decide to go play golf or even I'm sick in bed or maybe I'm sick in Russia, um, then my team, with the excitement and enthusiasm, enthusiasm and passion that they have, they're going to build this business with or without me. And I think it was when I got my first, I, I earned a commission of about $80. And I remember thinking, oh my God, this works. This actually works. Um, and as, as soon as I thought, all I've got to do now is repeat what I've already done. And I'm just going to get $80, $80, $80, $80, you know, depending on how I built the business. So that was really what it was. It was the excitement of people in my team, seeing their success really, really quick, and just seeing the first real commission that came into my back office. Yeah, that's very good. If, it, if you get one check, it works. You just have to repeat what you did. It's a very yeah. good aha moment. Um, hey, uh, getting back to your, your uh, prospecting methods, um, I just should have asked you this earlier, but I think it's, it's, so, it's so good. Like you build your business through co-market, SMS, text, Skype, and, and you take three to six months to build a relationship. So for the listeners out there, can you give them some tips? What do you talk about during these, you know, first of all, what's your opening line? So you have a stranger, like, what do you say to them? And then um, afterwards, what do you talk about to build that relationship up? Well, yeah, there's a few tips on this. So basically, as you get your more more confidence with, with it, so you, I'm starting off by saying, hey, how's it going? Great to be connected on Facebook. You know, what are you excited about in 2016? So on and so on. But as I got more confident, I started using the dictaphone feature on Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp. So instead of typing it, I actually did an audio, which I found to be more personal. But what I always find is there's a percentage of people who don't even reply. There's a percentage of people who go, you know, who are very, very like blocked off to you in the sense you're going you're gonna to pitch them. So obviously it's a numbers game. So what I used to do is I found that small talk kept getting in the way, you know, like back and forward. And it was like, when do I, when do I go to the next step of mentioning the business? Or when do I go to the next step about mentioning family and all that? And I decided... I would, uh, I would inter- implement two very, very simple but very deep questions. And I'm going to tell you the questions. I'll ask you the questions. Um, but be, just be prepared. They are deep questions. So the first question is, what one thing do you want to do before you die? Mm. Okay. So people are starting to think, and the majority of them, to be honest, out of the thousands of people I've asked this to, the majority of them are, I want to travel. But I deep in, I go so deep that it's so important to dig so deep on the connection. I go, well, where do you want to travel to? What do you want to do when you travel? So I want to go to the, I want to go to Australia. Why do you want to go to Australia? I want to go to the Great Barrier Reef. Why do you want to go to the Great Barrier Reef? So I want to go swim with sharks, or I want to go scuba diving, or I want to see the Nemo fish, or whatever. Or, or there's different examples of that. And then after that, after a bit of you know to and fro, and like, who would you take with you? How long would you go for? You know, have you got a vehicle to? to get you to do that dream. Then after that, I ask the really, really, really deep question, which cements the connection. And it is, if you were told today you would die tomorrow, what would you do? Hmm. And they really start thinking about it. And the connection just goes into insane new levels. And the answer pretty much all the time, I'd say 97 out of 100 times is, I want to be with my, I want to be with my family. You know, and, and I go in there and saying, you know, it's awesome, you know, and I kind of connect it all up. So I say, isn't it awesome that you can live a life traveling the world? And, and if you can take your family with you each and every day, then, you know, 
you know, if it's your last day, then you know you're going to be having the time of your life. So it's your it's your goal really to be able to live each day, you know, live live the rest of your days as best you can, doing what you really want to do. And if you haven't got a if you haven't got a vehicle or a got or you know a way to make that happen, then you nearly need to nearly need to be thinking that plan through. So I usually use those two questions. They're they're my kind of killer questions. Real awesome. So you uh, you throw these questions out pretty quickly in the beginning. I, I when when there's a bit of back and forth with the conversation, yeah, I don't just throw it out to, to like strangers who haven't like back and forth. Right, you, know, doesn't, you doesn't me. back and forth small talk, right? I see. And yes. how do you find people? Is this specific criteria filter that you say this person is not worth wasting my time? This person is good. Do you spend time checking people's profiles? What's your filter? Well, yeah. So I, I don't really judge anyone. I kind of let them have, you know, get get them, give them a chance to start with. So I tend to add a lot of people. I don't go on like ho- you know home based business groups or anything within Facebook and all that sort of stuff. I tend to search for people who have the same interests as me. So let's say health and fitness, or golf, or travel, or people who have visited um, Dubai, or people who have visited Kazakhstan, or people who have watched the same sort of movie, or my favorite movies, or my favorite books. I find those groups and then build a relationship based on that until I feel the time is relevant to kind of ask those two big questions. And after the two big questions, when the connection's, you know, wild um, and really, really deep and, and meaningful, then I kind of go in with, with the opportunity. And when I go in with the opportunity, I, I tend to send them a video, but I kind of done my own video. So it's more personal. So it's not just like a generic opportunity video, but it's it's more kind of me sharing my story on a video basis. So I've just shot the video once and I just use it time and time and time and time and time again. Awesome stuff. This is really good stuff. And because once you go to, I like the uh, way you just go to groups. Like if you like golf, you go to golf groups because there's something in common. It's easy to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Because- Do you want to know the secret mental trick that I use to overcome my shyness and fear of prospecting? This helped me sponsor over 80-something people a year for over two and a half years span and built the foundation of my business. I invite you to attend a free sponsoring workshop and get the exact words and mental warm-up I use to help me overcome my fears and allow me to sponsor one person a week for over two years. Go to www.sponsoringworkshop.com. That's www.sponsoringworkshop.com. Really good stuff, you know. Um, this has been awesome. Hey, I know your time is valuable, so we have to kind of wrap up the show. But some really quick uh, questions to pick your brain, okay? And one of them is, uh, what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? I think it's strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value to other people. What is one habit that's helped you become successful? Consi- consistently speaking, to I, I aim to get five to ten new relationships online every single day it's not easy but it's definitely been worth it obviously a lot of those don't reply to you and all that so i try and consistently reach out to to 10 people every single day online what's the best piece of advice you ever received never ever 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 quit i mean my dad said to me he said to be a master at anything you need to basically spend ten thousand hours doing it so it's funny because after three years, I, 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 I jot every single hour I do in the business, whether it's five hours, 10 hours, one hour, half hour, whatever. And literally uh, about 13, 14 months ago, um, I hit the 10,000 10, hour mark. And from that point on, I had a massive, massive spike in enrollments in my business. Literally an hour after that, it was, it was insane. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and ever since that moment, I always thought, you know what, if I can teach people never to quit, and at least do 10,000. I know it's a lot and it's daunting, 
but to at least do 10,000 hours of network marketing work, and I mean network marketing work, then eventually you, you, you're going to be a master. Yeah, and that's so that's so you know so true. It's ten thousand hours, and for MLM Nation, you don't know what uh, Fraser is talking about. It's Malcolm Gladwell. I think he he in his book Outliers or Outliers of those you know, for those in Canada pronounce it in his book Ten Thousand Hours. If you want to be a super super rock star, you need to put ten thousand hours in there. Now that you know, you can still make some money by doing a thousand hours, two thousand hours, but to be a legend, you need ten thousand hours. Of uh, commitment to really learn it, and they there's a great book by the way, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers talks. You know they analyze the Beatles, Bill Gates, what they did in pro- programming, and uh, but the sad thing is network marketing distributors they don't even get to the you know Frazier, they don't even get to thousand hours. Like a thousand hours, you can probably make some good, good part time income in MLM. But most people they do like maybe ten hours, they talk to a couple of friends, or oh, it doesn't work, and they quit. But and you never achieve any type of success if you have that type of attitude. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, so, you may have mentioned this before. Your favorite prospecting tool will be an online video that have that uh, with you sharing your story. Is that it? Yeah, try and keep it as personal as possible. I, I tend to use capture pages with a very very short video, and then I use a bridge video after that uh, as like a, you know, which is me basically bridging the gap from curiosity to kind of you know seeing more information. Um, and then, you know, and then the, the final step of the kind of the system is, is kind of the sales page with all the highlights of the, of, of the business. It's funny because when I was eight, eight, from eight years old to 15 years old, I used to help my dad make his information packs. So we used to get a prospect and he <laughs> basically say, right, Fraser, we've got a prospect. What do we need to do? So I get this folder, this little like a plastic folder. So we need one of those, one of those, one of those. And it's about 10 pieces of paper with all this different information. He said, right now we need to go to the post box and the post office and we need to, Put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, write their address, send it, and then we'll wait for the phone to ring with that for them, <laughs> for them to see what they liked. And nine times out of ten, the phone didn't ring, and we did thousands of them. I became, I think, I, I yeah, I must have become a master at packing those parcels. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy. But yeah, I, I use a lot of online video. I think it's the best way. Awesome stories. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite online resource like a Dropbox or Evernote or a favorite app on your phone you could recommend? Yeah, I've actually uh, been using a new one called Airtime Media. Uh, it's kind of the combination of WhatsApp and Skype. Um, it's really good for network marketing. Sean Parker, the billion dollar guy from um, Facebook, just launched it recently. Um, if you, you can actually go on there, invite your prospects and watch a YouTube video or a presentation together and communicate whilst it's going on as well. And you can see their kind of uh, their engagement with it as well. So I think it's an app by Sean Parker that's been made for network marketers called Airtime Media. What's one book you could recommend to ML Nation? The Richest Man in Babylon, I think it's the best, best book, um, especially for network marketers, just to learn how it's great making all the money, but it's so important to keep as much money as you can and keep it working for yourself as well, not just making it and spending on flash watches and cars and houses. Very, very, very important to keep as much as you can. And I believe that book's by George Clayson, is that it? Yeah, that's it, yeah. George Clayson. And ML Nation, I know you love audio, so if you haven't already, you can get an amazing free audio book like The Richest Man in Babylon, for free at mlmnationbook.com. That is mlmnationbook.com. Now, Frazier, here's the last question. You may have answered it again before, but it's the million-dollar question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Imagine you had to start all over again, and you knew no one. So you didn't even know your dad, you didn't know your downlines, but you don't have any Facebook friends, no one. But you all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. What's the first thing you would do to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch? 
Well, yeah, I would actually keep it, I, I would get into a situation which is relevant to what I'm doing. So if I'm in a health and, nutri- uh, health and nutrition uh, company, I'd go to a gym. And what I would do, or if I, if I was in a travel lifestyle kind of opportunity, I'd go outside a travel agency. I don't know what it's like in America, but in the UK, they have travel, travel agencies that offer like really cheap deals on, on the outside window. And people are always staring into the window looking at the prices. So I'd go up to them and I'd strike you know, conversation. Another place as well, which might seem a bit weird, but I'd go to a bank where people are depositing money, withdrawing money, and I would kind of get in conversations. But I wouldn't be pitching. Again, focus on the relationship and get the details from those people by being funny, charming, uh, however way, way, way that's going to suit your personality, and then follow up with them at a later, more convenient time. Don't pitch anyone in a bank about making money. This has been such an awesome episode. Thank you so much, Frazier. And no wonder your dad is so proud of you. You know, I don't even, uh, had a, I know you're busy. I don't even have a chance to listen to the episode because it just got released. And I, when I asked him what's the most proudest moment that we're marketing, and he was said it was your success. Yeah, he, he's my hero. Yeah, I don't want to make you tear up just like the way you got <laughs> you on stage. Got me. <laughs> but yeah, he said he, that was his proudest moment in that we're marking, watching your success. And uh, it's just very inspiring, it's huge nuggets. And I'm going to uh, do a quick recap later after this, ML Nation, about all the nuggets of wisdom that uh, Frazier just shared with us, from the prospecting to the mindset. Um, as we wrap up, Frazier, do you have any last words or advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can uh, connect with you and contact you? Yeah, well, I would I would focus on this. Focus on turning strangers to friends and friends to family. When I say family, obviously your family, you're going to be making some amazing, amazing relationships in network marketing. The more the more amazing they are, the more close they are, the more deeper connection you have with them, the more the closer they're going to be. And from my experience, the better the distributor they're going to be. They won't quit on you. Um, you know, and all that. So the best way to connect with me is through Facebook, facebook.com forward slash F Brooks. If you ever need any advice on the Facebook or network marketing, feel free to reach out. I'm an ambassador and a student of MLM. Um, and yeah, so let's, let's connect on there. Facebook's definitely the easiest way with me. ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today you've been hanging out with Frazier Brooks. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and type in Frazier. That's F-R-A-Z-E-R or F-R-A-Z-E-R for those nine in the U.S. at the search bar. And all the show notes is linked. Definitely connect with Frazier. Check him out on Facebook. Learn what he's doing. Um, tremendous amounts of wisdom for such a young man. Really, really good episode. Frazier, in order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you again so much, Frazier, and God bless you. Thanks so much, Stan. appreciate you. Bye-bye. Here's the secret to learning and growing your business faster. It's with audiobooks. Come on. You know you have a list of books that you need to read, you should read or you want to read, but you just don't have time. And that's where audiobooks come in because you can listen to them anywhere. Audiobooks played a huge part of my success. I still remember the time when I would walk my dog and listen to them when I was driving uh, in between my job at the time with the NBA basketball, listening to audiobooks. And you should listen. To, they played a huge part of my success. And so you should listen to them as well. Whether you want to listen to Eric Worre's GoPro or your first year in network marketing by Mark Now or any of the other great books that are important for your success, you can use you can get a free audiobook at mlmnationbook.com. That is mlmnationbook.com. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I am so, I mean, fired up, more fired up now than when I first started this show with an awesome episode from Frazier Brooks. I'm fired up to just do this recap. 
You know, it's just... It's just, first of all, I want to thank his dad, Simon Brooks, who's been on the show before. He's on episode 174. Definitely check it out. For being the father to raise a son like this, you know, it's not easy. Uh, when you make money, uh, I think the biggest fear for parents who are financially successful is to raise kids who have the hunger and desire. Um, you know, and Frazier shared that he had three fears, right? I think that's a big aha moment. It's all about the mindset, the three fears. Uh, he had a fear of roller coasters. He had a fear of public speaking. He had a fear of making phone calls. But the, the only way to get over that fear is to do that thing and do it so many times. You talk about riding that scariest roller coaster over and over and over and over and over time. Right? The first time he was so freaked out, he hated it. But he did it so many times that he's not scared of it anymore. And that's the way you do it. The public of uh, making phone calls. He got a job that required making cold calling. He did so many that he wasn't scared of it. And what motivated him, I think this is awesome motivation is the fear of missing out. So think about this ML Nation. What fears do you have? Right? List, mentally just list them out right now. There's a fear of cold calling, fear of following up with someone, fear of talking to someone you should be talking to, or maybe fear of roller coasters, maybe fear of snakes. Maybe whatever the fear is, is really not that big a deal. But what is a big deal is you miss out on life by caving into those fears. So, Take a lesson from Frazier. Step outside that comfort zone. Step out. Because that fear of missing out on life, missing out on life, that's a way worse price to pay than for the short term, maybe you may freak out for a second too. Really good stuff. You know, um, ep- this episode is going on and on. You know, Make sure you connect with so much good stuff. And make sure you connect with Frazier. Go to mlnation.net. Type in Frazier, F-R-A-Z-E-R, or F-R-A-Z-E-R for those overseas. Frazier, it'll pop right up, uh, and check him out, connect with him, okay, and the, while you're there, you can put in Simon Brooks, uh, you can put the last name Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-E-S, check out his episode on his father, because Simon Brooks is the guy who's over 10 million, is the man who raised a son like this, um, and, you know, even though he got all the toys, still creating, I mean, getting a Mini Cooper for his 18-year-old birthday present, that's not bad, right, but still, getting that gift, and not just be satisfied and lazy, have the hunger and desire, that really speaks a lot about uh, what Simon did and also about Frazier. A couple of things uh, I would just want to go over is like, you know, Frazier was shy and introvert, had low self-esteem, right? But he built, he got over that. He realized that it's a relationship. It's relationship marketing. Don't sell the company. Don't sell the products. Sell yourself. And when he led with the relationship, he shared a story where all four of his, uh, he, he did the most worst presentation to four friends, but they all joined. Four for four all joined. Why? Because of the relationship. Because of the trust. Right? And his best distributors have become his best friends. And his best friends have also become the best distributors. Because it's all about the relationship. And relationship takes time. He talked about, he builds his, uh, I think this is probably the first time we had a, had a guest that builds it almost, almost entirely online, right? Meeting people online, Facebook, SMS, text, Skype. He doesn't even talk to the people, but he builds the relationships. Three to six months of follow-up, 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 texting back and forth. Um, and most people get it all wrong, but you know, like I shared on the show, they, they chat one or two times, immediately ask them to look at a video. Immediately say, are you interested in the business? I get this all the time. People spamming the, you know, MLM Nation Facebook wall. It's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. But the real way to do it is building key relationships. At the end of the day, this is a relationship business. And, uh, you know, when Frazier's wrapping up, he's saying, turn, turn strangers into friends and friends into family. 
That is so good. Strangers into friends, friends into family. You know, uh, another aha moment. When, when he got one check, right, it works. He's like, if you got one check, $80 check, it works. That means he did a little bit more, work a little harder, talked to a little more people. He got a bigger check, right? So, MMH, if you got one check before, hey, this business works. You just got to go back doing what you did to get that check. A lot of you, I know this happened to me, prospect, prospect, you get a check, and then we stop doing that. We get into management mode. We hope those downlines will automatically grow and become superstars. We don't need to do anything. That's not the way this business works. Keep doing what got you there. Uh, two other tips okay, about prospecting again, getting back to that, is uh, he sends audio messages on Facebook. He, you know, he asked him, what, what gets you excited this year? That's another question. And, and a lot of people don't reply. There's a good percentage of people who don't reply. Don't worry about that. Okay? Consistency. Frazier goes out there and goes to reach out to 10 people. He makes you reach out to 10 people a day. And if you do that, yeah, even if seven or eight don't get back, two or three do, you build good relationship with those two or three people that do reply back to you. And those two killer questions, right? What's one thing you want to do before you die? The second was, if you're to die tomorrow, what would you do? Right? It really gets you to start thinking. Start getting people to start thinking. And really, the why really comes out. And in terms of finding people, um, he, you know, he just finds people with similar interests. So if you like golf, like Frazier likes golf, he goes to golf groups. Right? If you like running, go to running groups. If you like knitting, go to find knitting groups. It's almost, if you like Bichon Frise dogs, like the way Obi is, you know, go, my dog Obi, go find Bichon Frise groups. There's always any, anything, any type of interest there is, there is a group. Go join those groups and talk. Because why? Because it's easy. Because you have something in common already. Right? Don't just go to home business groups. I mean, that's so yesterday, so lame. Because most of those people are in a home business already. And trying to steal someone from a home business going, You know, if you can steal someone from a home business group, chances are someone else will steal them tomorrow to join another deal. Right, so don't do that. It's just like it, I'm not saying it doesn't work. It does work, but to me, it's lame. Go find people. Build like Fraser says. Build genuine relationships. Genuine relationships. Anyway, awesome episode. Okay, super awesome. Make sure you connect with Fraser Brooks. Super super leader. Uh, Fraser Brooks again. Brooks B R O O K E S. Go to mlnation.net. Just search for that. Uh, you see his father there as well. You can check him out. Amazing man. Both amazing. Leaders, and uh, if you like this episode, please subscribe and rate and review on iTunes. I really appreciate that. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and share this with the ML community. Share this with your team. This is an awesome episode in terms of sharing the how to build online, how to build online strictly online without even, um, you know, having a one-on-one phone call. Just how to build relationships like that. Really, really good stuff. Thanks again to Fraser Brooks for his time for doing this. Thank you, ML Nation, for listening. And remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.